this morning something that um, has, uh, has been on uh, been in my heart for a little bit. And I was like, as I was thinking about um, uh, today, uh, we just finished a series. We'd finished like a 33-week series and then an eight-week series. And then there was kind of last week, which just was kind of like a one, one-time, you know, happy birthday Kingsway deal. And then it's like, I have this one week and then I'm gone for two. I thought, I can't really start a series. I, I could try and just say what I said last week and maybe nobody will notice. Uh, and then, you know, because we're, we're uh, heading uh, out on a cruise with our whole family this week. And uh, it's, uh, so I thought, well, what do I do? And as I was studying, kind of prepping and, and thinking about the, you know, the vision of, of Kingsway of, you know, last week we really focused on, on looking back and the danger of focusing backwards. I wanted to just take today to talk about, you know, this idea of focusing forward and what that looks like and what it doesn't look like. Um, do you ever, my question I guess to start off is this, do you ever get impatient? Do you ever, you know, feel like this guy? Um, you know, you just like had it. Um, it's because he's got a PC, right? So if he had a Mac, we're not having this picture. But um, you, you ever get impatient where you're like, you're looking at dinner in the oven and you're like, why aren't you done yet? I can smell you. But it says there's 30 more minutes. And, and you're just, you know, your stomach is just like, oh, I, I gotta have. Um, maybe you're sitting in the Tim Hortons lineup and there's 10 cars in front of you and, and you're like, why does it take so long? Why don't they know by the time they get there? Why are they ordering a sandwich? I just need my coffee. And you get impatient. Maybe, you know, this guy here got too impatient. He's just going for his double-double, right? Uh, my kids, you know, we, I see them, Max, and, and, and all of them have had this where they get um, their blankies end up in the wash, and it's just, that's the worst time of their lives, right? They're waiting by the dryer. Well, let me have this picture of my two kids just decided, no, no more waiting. We're going in. Uh, but theirs was still in the washer at this point. They just knew that hopefully it's going to happen. Um, you know, there's uh, maybe for you, it's your children. It looks the opposite. You're like waiting and waiting. You're just getting impatient for when are they going to clean their rooms. It just never gets done. See, as a culture, as a culture, we're obsessed with a couple of things. We're obsessed with getting things faster and getting them easier. We live in a, in a world that's like that. But what I want to kind of draw your attention to today is the Bible wasn't written in a culture like that. We're obsessed with it, and we read the Bible sometimes as we do our Christian life. We we view it in the same light or the same uh, lens as what we live our culture like. I want it faster and I want it easier. We we're born that way. You know, if you ever hear your kids are like, I can't wait. I can't wait till I go to school. You know, I can't wait till I get a job. I can't wait till I'm older. They can't wait for nothing. Um, uh, and, and, and my kids are like that too. And I didn't need to teach them. They were born that way. Uh, they, uh, they didn't learn it from me, I don't think. But they, they, they uh, dinner time at our house, always we... We put the, the food out so it can cool, and then we pray together as a family. And it's been one of these things where we've taught our children to pray, and now Max teaches Finn to pray. That's pretty much the regular occasion. So it, but they won't even wait. They'll just like have a mouthful of food, and Max is like, okay, friend, say this. Oh, dear, dear God, dear God, thank you for this food. Thank you for this food. Hey, thank you for day. And, and we're like just snickering, right, because they're just piling in mouthfuls as they, as they go. They can't, they can't wait. And we're like, oh, well, we'll try, but tomorrow. You know, maybe you've got, like, traveled with your kids, and you know the famous line when you're going anywhere? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And then, you know, it gets to you so much that you become this parent where, like, the parents do the same thing. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why? Because we want to be there faster, and we want things to be easier. It's been said that necessity is the mother of invention, but that might have been true uh, a while ago when we needed some of the things that we have today. But, uh, you know, now 
It's no longer this thing of need. It's no longer this thing that we need it. It's just that we want it. Stuff that we have today, we don't really need. It just made our lives faster and easier. Um, The invention of the microwave, 1946, it's revolutionized your life. Some of you wouldn't have hot meals if it wasn't for this thing. Um, 1946, this came out and changed, changed life for people. It made cooking food faster and easier. The invention of the Wonderlight lighter in 1913. For some of you, this has enabled you because this is the, the whole reason why you, can, why you can smoke is that you have um, this, this fire that's faster and easier. I, you know what? I think that if you're struggling with smoking, just go back to the way they did it before. Rub two sticks together to light one and, you know, I think that, that might help. Um, the, the invention of the car. The invention of the car. This was the first ones in 19 or 1886. Carl Benz. This thing, you know, they're uh, support Movember too, which is pretty sweet. But these guys right here, they uh, built this car that would go five kilometers an hour. <laughs> right on, right? It's like getting you there faster and easier. Um, and this was this uh, th- this thing that we've seen change and change and change till till this week I was in a friend's car that goes 300 kilometers an hour plus you can't go anywhere around here where you can use that kind of speed why you know they thought well hey we've made a car that goes 100 kilometers an hour which is the legal limit but ah let's let's we can continue to invent let's make it faster let's make it faster and faster we've got to the point we are faster to the point where we can't even use the faster that we have but it's in our culture and it's in our in, ingrained in us. Let's make it faster. Let's make it easier. I get it about the, uh, a racetrack, but not on the road. We even have the easy button. You know, for those of you who just wish life was like this, that any time in life you think, oh, oh, that was easy. Let's celebrate. Ding, that was easy. This thing sells all, all over the place thanks to Staples because there's this thought of, man, I wish any time that I have the chance to say, oh, wow, good, that was easy. Um, Usain Bolt, I don't know if you watched the Olympics in London. Usain Bolt, uh, it took 10 seconds of your life away to watch him run 100 meters. Uh, and broke the record in, in less than 10 seconds. And millions of people watched this uh, event as one man ran that fast. Guess how many people watched the whole entire marathon that was also run at the Olympics? <laughs> Very few. Why? Because I like running, but I don't like it that much. I want entertainment, but I want it fast. I, don't, I, I want it quick and easy. I'm not going to watch somebody run for, for hours and hours. There's nothing, there's nothing entertaining in that. There's nothing in that. Uh, and so what's, what's happened in our lives, we, we desire things to be faster and easier. And yes, these things have made our lives faster and easier. But they've also made us impatient as a, as a people at the same time. We forget that building anything of value, it takes time. You know, the, the, the most expensive building in the world right now is this building right here, the Marina, the Marina Bay Sands Resort. I'm going to see if my in-laws will take us there next year. Um, it's, uh, it, this building is worth $6 billion. It took them four years, eight months, and 21 days to build this monstrosity. You know, we, we would look at that and go, yeah, of course that took some time. You know, the, 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 the head contractor, uh, you know, two days after it's been accepted that they're the ones building it and they're digging the hole, doesn't come up to the crew and go, oh, why aren't you guys done yet? David's like, dude, we're, this, this is what we're building. You know, it's been two days. We're, we're not there yet. You know, and a month later comes in, why aren't we done yet? Well, because we know that it's going to take time for this to happen. We, we can assume and we know that that, that conversation probably never happened. 
maybe closer to four years when they're like, you know, getting to the deadline, like, why isn't it done yet? We could, we could imagine that that's a possibility. But for a lot of us, we forget these things that, that make so much sense. We forget about them when it really matters. There's a painting by Picasso. I can't show it. It's called Nude, and that's why I can't show it. 1932, it was painted in one day. But 78 years later, because of, you know, who painted it and because of time, it sold for $106 million. Just a piece of canvas on a wall, $106 million. What was the value of it? The value of it was the time, because it didn't sell back then for that. It was this time um, a career. For some of you, you've worked and spent so much time. You were, you know, you first went to school, then you became an apprentice, then you finally got hired and you were on probation for three months. And then if you were a lousy worker, it was six months, right? And then, um, then finally you get in there, you get benefits, you're working your way up, now you got seniority, and then you, you know, go for management, and you're just climbing this ladder to financial success. And you look at where you are in life, if you, you've had any success in, uh, in your career, it took you a lot of time. It didn't happen overnight. You didn't wake up and wow, there it was. And those are the things that we look at that are just valuable in the sense of money. But what about the, really, um, the things in your life that are really valuable? Like friends. Not these ones, but yours. Um, ten years. You know, how many of you have friends that you've had for ten years? Uh-huh. How many of you have had friends 20, 20 years? How many of you had friends that you still have that have been friends for 30 years? Uh-huh, less and less hands. 40 years might be the age, but it also might be the fact that, might be the fact that we don't, we don't maintain friends for years and years and years, not lots of them. They say you're true friends, you count them on one hand because there's incredible value in those relationships. Um, what about marriage? You know, you see marriage when people, the young kids get married and they're walking off to, they have no idea what. Uh, we're all at their wedding cheering them on. Good luck, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, we know what's, what's coming. But you see people have been married for 10 years. And you think, man, you know, you start thinking back and like, wow, yeah, we've been through a lot. But boy, the fact that we're still together, there's a value in that. There's 20, 20 years, 25 years, 50 years, and you look back. And then I found this couple, and I love it. They've been married for 80 years. 80 years and smiling you know, <laughs> I love it, right? This is their anniversary. I love you, honey. What? You know, uh, uh, this is going to be me and Beth someday, right? I can't wait. Like, uh, she probably won't be able to see me, and you know, I won't be able to hear her, and we're going to be sitting there just smiling like, wow, we're thinking about all of this time that's passed. I'll be like 130, and uh, you know, it's it, this idea of, uh, man, I, I want to see us being those people, and what a value in it. Why? Because it's a rarity. We don't see enough of it. The church, incredibly valuable. It's taken 2,000 years to build, and Jesus is still building it. You, think about you and the value of you. Nine months it took for mom to make you, well, and dad helped, um, but to, to make you, and uh, God was knitting you together in the womb, and then, you know, you spent 18 years or whatever you, however long you stayed at home with parents and people uh, in your life um, working, and, and the gifts and talents that were already hardwired there that you discovered as you, as you grow up, and you, you start looking back at life and realize there's a, a whole lot of things that have happened in the journey of your life that make you incredibly valuable. You're one of a kind, unique, gifted, and talented for a purpose. And a lot of times we, we forget that. See, impatience, it affects our regular life, but it affects our life as followers of Jesus as well. And we're not the only ones. If you look at the, uh, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, Jesus is having a last conversation with um, 
um, with his uh, disciples there, and they're, uh, he's about to leave, and they, uh, they say to him, they say, Jesus, is now the time? Like, is it time yet? Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom to us? They thought Jesus was going to, like, take over Rome and give them back their freedom, and he says to them this. He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. It's like, you know, sorry, you don't get to know that part, but what you do get to know is that Holy Spirit's going to come and live in your life, and you're going to be witnesses for me every single day. Jesus, when are you going to do this? He's like, no, you're going to do this. And like, God, when? When? We want it. We want it now. And he said, just, just wait. You know, it happens to so, I, I mean, I meet with so many people and I hear these questions over and over again. Things like this. Why? Why haven't I arrived yet? Why am I not where I thought I would be? Why do I still struggle with things? Why am I not better yet? What does God want for my life? What's my purpose? Why am I here? I look at where my life has gone so far and I'm just like, Why? what? You know, a lot of times we think our prayers should be answered when we want them to be, and that was yesterday. You know, God, we prayed, and, and when are you going to come through? When are you going to do what we, what we want you to do? We think we need the answer yesterday. See, we want it on our time and don't realize his. You know, I went to the gym with a friend this week to uh, go hang out and visit with him. Um, you can't tell somebody who laughed. That's it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, I, I, went to, I went to visit him, and um, uh, this, this, is my, this is my buddy, and so I went to the gym, and he's like, you know, you want to work out? I'm like, well, not really. I'll just visit. I'll, you work out, and I'll watch. He's like, no, that's creepy. We're not staying here, you know? So, so uh, but uh, you look at him, and he's like built, like, the, and, and, so, and, and just a solid, solid guy, and, and he gets angry about things, but one of the things that makes him the most angry is if you ask him if he did that with steroids. He'll just, like, it just gets in his eyes, and he's like, listen, he says, I hate when people ask that because I spent years of my life eating five times a day, protein, 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 working out hours uh, every, um, every day at times and every week not, not, without fail to make sure that I was building this. There was incredible value there that he didn't want it cheapened at all. Uh, and it was like, as I, as I talked to him, he's like, hey, you know, he realized this didn't happen overnight. But as followers of Jesus Christ, I see that a lot of times we have the mentality that I had. I went to the gym and I just hoped it was going to do something for me. I hope that overnight my solution was going to happen. I hope that overnight God was going to do something in my life. That, you know, sometimes it's like us. You come here to the gym and you watch someone else work out and study, you know, do Bible study or learn the Word. And you're like, well, at least I went to the gym. And you're like, how come I'm not stronger? How come I'm not, how come I'm not where I need to be? How come I haven't arrived yet? And we, we have this perception. We think, well, yeah, it just sort of makes sense. And yet we live, often live out our lives, not what we know to make sense, but just in, in, in our default mode. Um, realize that focusing forward is made up of a long journey of small steps. Last week we talked about that, that idea of focus forward. Realize it's a long journey of small steps. Because sometimes the idea of focus forward is like we get a vision of where we want to be and that's just what we dream of. Someday I'm going to be financially free. Someday, you know, I'm going to have a good marriage. Someday I'm going to spend more time with my kids. Someday I'm going to be the person I want to be, have the stuff that I want to have. And we sit around dreaming about someday and while we're dreaming about someday, we're sleeping through today. So we got our eyes focused forward of where I'm going to be someday and we forget that we have today. And like, well, that, you know, we see that in life. Kids, you know, like, oh, I can't wait till I go to school. Then it's going to be cool. 
And then you get there and realize, no, I can't wait till I get to high school because then I'm going to be cool. And then you get, no, then, man, I can't wait till I get a job. And I'm like, man, why did I get a job? I can't wait till I, you know, never have to work again. I can't wait till I, you know, get married. And then I can't wait till we have kids. And then it's like after that, you're like, oh, I can't wait till we're divorced for some. And then it's like, you know, I can't wait till I get remarried. And some of you are like, you're like, no, we, we don't. And yet I know. Can't wait till I retire. And then you get there and you look back and go, wow, I'm here. What did I miss? The greatest regrets are the fact that we forget about today just because we're always dreaming about someday. Yeah, we're supposed to have a dream and a focus for, but realize that, that that journey that you're on is made up of little steps. You're like, well, yeah, that's like really plain and simple, except so many of us don't actually live that out. We forget about this gift that we have today. Sometimes people lose sight of that end goal because of one step that they're in right now. Uh, I've shared this story before uh, when we were doing wedding photography and we're the couple in Simcoe and I was uh, taking the photos of the groom before the wedding and they went outside and he stepped in a big pile of dog crap right in his his, uh, tuxedo shoes and it was like, oh! And I've shared with you what happened after that, but uh, it involved his friend's toothbrush um, uh, to clean it. But um, what didn't happen that day is, is, you know, he didn't say, Oh, that's it. This is a sign, obviously. I'm not getting married. The wedding's off. This is one crappy day, right? He didn't do that. And we would look at it, and if he did, we'd think, that's crazy. Why would you, like, postpone or throw away the greatest, pos- like, the greatest opportunity and the greatest part of your life because of one crappy step? And yet we do it in our lives. There's some of you that are in, the, in a crappy step in your life right now, and you're throwing away your future because of the crappy step that you're in. Some of you are like, I'm a follower of Jesus, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not healed yet. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus, but, uh, man, I'm not married yet. Yeah, I want what God wants for me, but I thought I would have been married by now. You know, maybe you're in the opposite. You're like, oh, my, I'm a follower of Jesus, but my marriage is in trouble, or my finances are a mess, or someone at Kingsway said something really mean to me, and I'm offended. Or this one, I prayed for it, and he just didn't answer my prayer the way I hoped. The person I prayed for, and you're in a spot where it's like the step that you're in in the journey isn't all that pleasant and I want to remind you to keep your eyes on what's ahead because it's a step it's a step I've talked with the, uh, many times about following and doing life with Jesus Christ as a follower of him it's, it's a lot like driving at night you know as you drive at night you can see a few, few of the white lines in front of you you know, those, if you park the car right here, you're going to see those same five lines for the rest of the, of the time that you're there. That's all you're going to see. But we know that as driving a car, it's once you pass that next line, you get to see the one down there. But I want to see what's way down there. You don't get to. What do you do? You trust that whoever built that road knows what's around that corner and realizes that as I get to the next spot, I'm going to be able to see what's in the, the next step. As I take the steps with him, it's trusting that, God, you're the one who knows my road. If I will take this step with you, I'm going to see the next step when we get there. Uh, I don't know what we're supposed to do, but when we get there, I- I'm trusting that you're going to let me know. And Paul, in Acts chapter 16, and here's where, here's where I just saw you know, something interesting. I've been reading through Acts. It's this. In Acts 16, Paul says he wanted to go preach the good news in Asia. Because Jesus had said, go into all the world and preach the good news. So he's going to preach the good news in Asia. And all of a sudden he says, Holy Spirit, stop me and said, no. I'm like, but I thought you said I'm supposed to go preach the good news in Asia. No. 
all right, fine. Then I'm going to go preach the good news in Bithynia. And it says, and the Holy Spirit said, no. You're like, God, you're saying no to what you told us to do. And Paul could be like, oh, fine, I'm just going to go do it because I know that's the right thing to do. I'm going to go and preach the good news. But the Holy Spirit said, no. Because, and something that just came alive to me through this is that God's desire for us wasn't that we would just go and do the right things. It's that we would do life with him. That for Paul and for so many of us, we want it so easily to be, just tell me what I need to do, and I'm going to do, do, do. And he says, I want to lead, lead, lead. See, Jesus, even on the planet, didn't just go and do everything he felt like doing. He says, everything I do and everything I say, I'm hearing from the Father. I'm not healing this person because I want to. I'm healing this person because he told me to. I'm sharing this in this place because he put it on my heart. And it's that idea of saying, wow, am I that aware? Am I listening to Holy Spirit to say that he would even stop me from doing something good? I'm just going to go and bang on my neighbor's door and I'm going to tell them the four spiritual laws. I'm going to tell them the gospel. They need to get saved. And he's like, wait. But God, this is what I'm supposed to do. And he says, wait. For some of you, you're guilt motivated into doing things. You feel like, I really should do this. I really should. And he's like, I just want to lead you. I just want you to hear, hear my voice. Paul, after he said, okay, God, I'm not going to either of those places. He has a dream. He goes to Macedonia. And uh, yeah, that's where he sees in the dream. And so he says, oh, I guess that's where I'm supposed to go. And that's where he goes. And he starts planting churches there. See, because God didn't send his son Jesus to die for you so that you could be his slave. He didn't die for you so that now you could, you know, just do what he says. He died for you because he wants to know you. And he wants you to have the ability and opportunity to know him, to do relationship with him. Don't miss that part. Um, In Psalm chapter 37, verse 23, David wrote, The Lord directs steps of the godly or the righteous. And we know who the righteous are. It's us because he's called us that. He says he delights in every detail of their lives. He knows the step that you're in right now. Though they stumble, ah, I thought it was going to be easy. No, though they stumble, they're, not gonna, they're never going to fall. Why? Because he's got you. It says, for the Lord of the host holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. You know, he knows where you're at. See, a lot of the times, and Jesus was saying it to his disciples early in the day. He said, you know what? Come follow me. I'm not guaranteeing you heaven. That's not why you're following me. You're following me because you can do life, the same life, without fear. You don't need to be afraid of, you know, what you're going to eat. Don't be afraid of what, you, what you're um, going to wear or, or having money or having any of that stuff. Don't be afraid when you get arrested because I'm going to give you the words to say. And they're thinking, what? I got, we're getting arrested? You know, the, the, he just said, hey, you'd never need to be afraid. In 1 Corinthians 13, you know, most of you have heard 1 Corinthians 13, those verses. They're probably the most quoted verses other than John 3.16. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Where have you heard that before? Every wedding. I'm going to share it today at a wedding after service. Those, uh, those same verses you've heard and you've heard and you've heard. But you know, a lot of times you probably never got this far in the wedding. And that's in, in, in uh, verse 9. It says this, now. When are you guys living? Now. Now. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Now. What I know is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. When the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. He says this, now, now, when, now. Now we see things imperfectly. We see things like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Now we don't see it all. Now our knowledge is limited. Now we don't have the whole picture. But he says, but then, 
Then we're going to see everything with perfect clarity. When is then? Then is when you reach eternity. He says, and, that, and, and all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I'll know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Some of us, we're like so terrified to make steps because we don't know all the spots. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know where God is directing us. And he's just saying, just trust me. Trust me, look to me, walk with me, let me lead you. Maybe you got yourself in the situation that you're in like, oh, I've got to get myself out. You can't. If you could, you would have. He's saying, just look to me. Let me lead you through, through and out of this. Let me direct you. Let me take you through the steps. What you see right now, you don't know it all yet. But one day you're going to be able to see it as clearly as I see it. Not me, but him. As clearly as he sees it. And he's saying, guess what? In all of that, he says, I know you completely. God's not oblivious to what you're going through or where you're at. He knows it. He knows it. Life with him is not about the destination. It's about the journey. See, a lot of times we think it's about the destination because that's what we're all about. Get me there faster and get me there easier. That requires you dying. So, you know, when he, uh, when he writes this, it's like this idea of I'm in this journey from the time that you decide I'm following Jesus Christ to the time that you check out of here. There's this journey and God is all about that journey. He's not just about where, you know, where you end up. It's about the journey. I want to leave you with this story. It's about a guy named Cliff Young. Cliff Young in 1983 ran a race from Sydney, Australia to, to Melbourne, Australia which for those of you who, aren't, uh, who, who don't know, that's 875 kilometers. 875 kilometers, Cliff signs up for this race. There's a $10,000 prize in 1983. That's big money. Uh, and the racers, they, this race was designed that you could race any way you wanted to. You could eat and stop and sleep whenever you wanted to. Just the first one there wins as long as you were running. They figured it would take six to seven days to finish this race. And, and so these racers showed up, these professionals showed up. And uh, some of them were backed by big companies. And then Cliff shows up. He's a farmer in his gumboot galoshes and pants with holes cut in them um, for ventilation and no teeth because he says they clatter when I run. So he didn't take them. And uh, they're all like the papers and everything show this thing. There's the pros and there's Cliff. And like, what is this? Like they, they described him as so scrawny and socially inept, they didn't think he was going to even survive the first day of the race. And so they all started out, and they all began to run, and everyone left Cliff in the dust, and he began to just shuffle along. As he was um, shuffling along, um, he, he would just carry on. And at the end of the day, they were miles ahead of Cliff. And they, uh, the rest of the racers got to, they went and slept for about six hours. And Cliff had said later, he's like, I didn't know that, you know, we were supposed to, you know, sleep. He says, I remember when I was chasing sheep on the farm. I ran for two days sometimes straight, herding sheep away from the storm. So he said, I just pictured I'm chasing sheep and there's a storm. So I'm just going to keep going. So Cliff ran through the whole night. He ran, uh, not ran, he shuffled for 48 hours before he decided to stop at all. And in 48 hours, he had covered almost 300 kilometers. Shuffling, heading forwards. He had passed everybody that first night and they never caught up to him. Um, he, uh, he kept shuffling until he won that race in five days, 14 hours and 35 minutes. And you think, wow, that's impressive. It's pretty impressive until you realize that the second place person was 10 hours behind him. 61 years old. Got his 10, I know, got his $10,000 prize. Only six people actually finished the race. Cliff got his $10,000 prize for winning the race. He broke it into five amounts of 2000 and gave it to all the other ones who finished the race. 
didn't take a penny for himself. The way that he ran, they, 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 named, some, they named that way of running called the, the, the Young Shuffle. Three other people have run that same race and have won it the same way just by shuffling along. I want to encourage you with this thought that you're on a journey and the idea of this journey isn't Usain Bolt, like just go and make in a flash, have something awesome. You're in a journey of a whole lot of steps that every day we would be shuffling. Every day I'm shuffling. If you will remember, you know, as you go through this, that you would keep, that you would keep your eye on the prize. That when he said, come follow me, you would say, I'm going to follow you. That involves me seeing you, looking to you, asking you, where are we going? The disciples had the same thing, and you can see them too. You can see it too. You can picture things. Having a vision for where, for where you're headed. You're like, well, some of you, like, I can't see it. You can have a vision for, where, for something, whether, whether you see it in reality. If you think about it today, you know, for some of you, if I said there's some vehicles driving around the fields this, uh, the past couple of weeks, they're big, they're green, they've got a big glass mirror, they've got a big uh, headers in the front, they've got all kinds of beans or corn in the top, they've got a big auger that unloads into a buggy. Hopefully you guys are picturing a combine. Wait, wait, whoa, you can see it even though you can't see it because you can see this. I want to encourage you with this last thought. I want to encourage you to see who you really are. That you would see that you're free, that you would see that you're forgiven, that you see that you're loved, that you would see that you're one of a kind, that you have a purpose, that you could see that. And like, well, how do I get to see that? It takes steps. It takes the steps of saying, maybe I'm going to get on John's list and say, hey, send me some things because I don't see it yet, but I want to see it. And that I could take steps to getting there. Maybe for you, it's joining a Bible study, but a meaningful tomorrow for you results in the step that you take today. See what he says about, um, you know, what your marriage could be like. Some of you, it's like, get this, uh, get a picture of that and say, wait, that's what I want to be someday. How do I get there? Some of you are like, I can't see that. All I see is that dirtbag that I'm married to. It's saying, get that focus, get that focus, get that focus, see something. What does it require? Steps. Maybe steps for you is go see a counselor. Maybe a step for you is today I'm going to work on changing me. Today I'm going to work on studying them. I want to learn what they're, what they're all about and how to show love to them. I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to take steps because, you know what? A great marriage doesn't happen. It was built on the steps of today. What would it be to be a healthy, life-giving church to see that I could be part of that? The steps might be, you know, I'm going to join a team. I'm going to volunteer. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to bless somebody. I'm going to pray for somebody. I'm going to encourage somebody. And maybe you need baby steps. Maybe for you, you just need to smile at somebody. And some of you can't even do that yet. <laughs> baby steps. Focused on following will give you the proper perspective of others. If you just got your eyes on Jesus saying, okay, all I want to do today is, Jesus, am I following you today? Am I following you today? will help you not do things like this. Well, we've been married for three years. He should know better by now. That person got saved a whole week ago, and they're still smoking. Oh, must not have took. You know, they've been, they've been a Christian for a whole month, and I heard them drop an F-bomb in the parking lot. They've been married a whole year, and they're still living with their girlfriend or boyfriend. They've been married this long and insert whatever you would love to throw on there. 
when you say, hey, I'm just focused on following you, Jesus, it keeps the spot on, what am I doing today? Am I following him today? And if he says, hey, go talk to them about that, you'll know it's time. But it helps you to walk that out. So the real questions are for you today. Am I following him? Am I growing in him? Am I knowing him today? Am I shuffling today? Am I moving forward today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that you've given us and for the journey that we're on. Thank you that you didn't leave us alone. Um, Holy Spirit, I just pray that as, as we leave this place, that today as we follow you wherever you might lead us today, that in the moments where we meet people or we're in situations where we just look to you to hear your voice, so you would lead and direct us. Give us those thoughts uh, and desires that uh, you have for us and give us courage to walk them out, knowing that we can do that with and through your strength. I pray over every household in, in this place that your peace and your love and your joy would grow and, uh, and freely flow in those homes, that they might be a light to the community around them. Uh, in your name, for your glory, because of you, pray. Amen.